0: this episode, I sit down with world-class nutrition coach, Jamie Morocco. She is a straight shooter with a huge heart. We discuss her history as an overweight, depressed teen to someone who has shifted her identity to someone who is happy, healthy, and thriving. We discuss what it truly takes to lose the weight and lose it for good, along with the three phases of dieting. It's an extremely enlightening podcast, and I know you'll love it. Enjoy. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to the show today, you guys. I am so excited today because I have one of my very best, what's so funny, Instagram friends with me, Jamie Morocco. And Jamie, before we dive in, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you offer now?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Kylie, and I'm so excited to do this uh, episode with you. Um, I work with people, mainly women all over the world. Um, And I help them reach their body composition goals in a way that is safe and sustainable and sets them up for the rest of their life so that they can forget about yo-yo dieting. Like that shit is done and over. We're all about lifestyle and getting you to a place where you can lose weight, enjoy the foods that you love, travel, do the things, and you know, still get
0: the results that you want. I love that and I want to dive into that in just a moment but the one of the big things that you just said was enjoying the foods that you love and I feel like people think they have to cut out all of those things but that's simply not the case.
1: Yeah, if you're not actually if you're not including those foods on your fat loss journey, you are You are literally setting yourself up for a yo-yo dieting cycle at the end. I make it a point to tell my clients they actually have to include those things on their journey to lose weight because then they realize a lot of the the food fear and anxiety that goes along with a lot of those quote unquote like junk food items or whatever, um, that gets removed. So I'm a big advocate for, you know, making sure you include that stuff on your journey.
0: Absolutely. Now, before we do dive into all of that yumminess, I know that you were not always, well, there's two parts that you were not always. You were not always this health, this vision of health and wellness, and you also were not always in this industry. So can you tell me what you, what you were doing prior to this in terms of your career to begin with?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I graduated college, I was a personal trainer and group fitness instructor, and I managed a personal training studio. And then I went back to school for my MBA in entrepreneurship. Um, I really knew I wanted to own my own business one day, but I wasn't sure what that would look like. Um, One thing led to another, and I got launched out into Silicon Valley. I did an internship at Sephora for a little while there, um, and I worked for several different startups, and I really... Realized, you know, it confirmed for me how much I hated working for other people. So in between the many layoffs that there were in that time in my life, because Silicon Valley is a volatile um, job market, I built an online fitness business and I built it in 2015 and I went all in in 2016
0: and here we are. (laughs) I love the fact that you say you hated working for other people because now I I don't think I was always this way, but Even if you ask me for something, I have this, like, huge resistance. I'm like, you're not the boss of me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I felt that, too. And I also just felt like, here I am working on somebody else's dream. And I just, like, even though it was a great job on paper, it was a great salary, it was unlimited vacation, it was, like, all the things that, like, should, quote-unquote, make us happy in a job, I felt, like, so unmotivated. Um, I would have rather... I, you know, I told my husband at the time, or my boyfriend at the time, now husband, I was like, I would literally rather make, be making no money working on my own shit, because at least I know there's, like, no, I have, like, limitless bounds of what I can do. Um, so that was kind of my, I just felt too confined and too, like, you know, like, it just, I'm like, is this it?
0: It's not for oh me. And like, now, can you even imagine? I feel like a wild animal, where if I had to go back, yeah. it would just be, like, torture even I walk
1: by his office building sometimes I'm like the fluorescent lighting like no <laughs>
0: well, that, it, if for some random reason I'm like downtown during lunchtime and I see all the people in their slacks and skirts and heels I just like I'm sorry you guys I'm so sorry Yes. you're in those slacks and I'm in these leggings <laughs> I know I know I mean some people love it it's like yep. whatever feels best for them but right. I knew that I
1: was like the worst I'm not employable let's just say that I don't you think you are unemployable
0: at this point I'm yes. totally unemployable <laughs> so in addition to that so there you are working in Silicon Valley in that volatile environment not super jazzed what was going on with your own personal health wellness fitness Um,
1: well, I guess I've always kind of been on a journey because when I was younger, I was overweight and I had high cholesterol. I had to have my gallbladder out. I was like a C student. I was depressed about my weight. I got to college. I lost over 50 pounds, um, kind of went too far on the other side, um, with the running and you know how it is, the cardio and all of that. Um, and then when I was in Silicon Valley, I was, I had been on the birth control pill basically my whole life. And that's when I really noticed I was having problems hormonally because I went off the pill and I didn't get a cycle. And it was like, you know, I realized I had probably, I probably should have never gone on the pill in the first place, but I was only 12 and you know, our, our parents do the best that they can with the information the doctors tell us. And, um, you know i i had really bad cramping and everything um i wasn't you know needing the break. <laughs> yeah to be clear <laughs> um, and then yeah i just noticed that i had some hormonal um stuff going on at that time so um that was towards the later end when when we were getting ready to move back to boston okay.
0: um yeah. so okay it was your youth when you were overweight yeah Mm-hmm. What do you think led to that? Hmm.
1: Well, I will tell you. It's yeah. a, I remember it very clearly. I think I was, my mom is like a rail. Like she never works out a day in her life, never counted a calorie. And she's one of those people who is a hundred pounds and that's just like who she is. Yes. Like she's the anomaly.
0: Mm-hmm. And my
1: dad is very lean too. So genetically, like I should have been a lean person. And I was up until I was maybe around like seven years old and I had to go on um, medication for asthma. And that made me very um, hyperactive. And I was eating a lot and burning a lot. Like I was a tiny little thing, burning a lot of calories, eating a lot of food. I went off the medication like a year later and my body was recalibrating And I gained a little bit of weight because my, I was still eating. Um, and the doctor told my mom, we got to go to have her go to a nutritionist. I'm worried about her weight. Literally like. That doctor was like the catalyst, but it's all good because I worked out. Um, but that looking back, I saw the nutritionist, and it made me feel like, okay, you have a problem, you're fat. She didn't use those words, but that was the spirit of it. And you can only have treats this amount per week, you need to be on a regimented thing, and that's that was like really the catalyst for it because. I was like, wow, there's something wrong with me. And that's when the weight just like continued to pile on. Um, and I would try different things. Um, like I tried Weight Watchers. My dad did slim fast once. Um, like I try, I, you know, would sneak that, um, cause my parents wouldn't want me like drinking that and, um, nothing really worked. And so it just kept piling on and piling on, but that was really the catalyst for it. And I think, I'm, I'm so grateful that that happened because that has, you know, cascaded into today. Um, but looking back, that was like
0: for sure the catalyst to like the weight gain and everything. Wow. So when you went to college, did you just make this decision to switch? What was that?
1: It's so interesting because I felt like the fact that I was depressed about my weight in, in, for middle school and high school I attracted relationships that were unhealthy. My friendships were unhealthy. Um, I was unhealthy. I was a C student. I barely went to school. I also was having really bad health issues from the gallbladder my entire senior year because I didn't know what it was. Um, I, and once I got to college, my dad looked at me that, you know, I went to college in downtown Boston, to a school called Suffolk, um, and they didn't have any dorms. My parents, I got a roommate. I was set up in a nice apartment. My dad looked at me and he said, if you don't get at least like a 3.0 this semester, you're coming home. I'm selling your car and you're going to go to community college. And I was like, fuck. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) option one, option two. And I knew that the cat, the, 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 the part that was holding me back as crazy as it sounds in school was that I wasn't disciplined about my nutrition and work and working out. So I started getting really I started, I just, it was like an identity shift. It was like, as soon as I moved in, like I'm going to figure out this weight loss thing. And I kid you not in parallel, I became a straight A student and graduated number one in entrepreneurship because it like one thing, like I swear to God, it bleeds into the other yeah. So it's like that focus and that intentionality in my weight loss also trickled into my schooling. So that that's really it was that was the reason because I knew I needed to change both physically and you know um mentally, emotionally.
0: And you were able to do this on your own, correct? Like mm-hmm. you didn't have a coach, you didn't have a nutrition coach. I don't think people had nutrition coaches back then. Yeah. I Not did. even that it was that long ago, but Yeah all by yourself, sheer will.
1: Oh, I was, cal- I, I, I read about calories and I started, cal- I would calculate my calories. I have like notebooks where I'm in school, like on the side, like calculating my <laughs> calories. So that's how I did it. I never did anything, like I never restricted calories like super low or anything, but I definitely was like running five miles a day at one point. Like it was a lot of cardio. So
0: when did you when did you know you had reached that point where you're like this is this is too much or did someone have to come in and say Jamie, this isn't right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm five four and I think at my lowest I was like a hundred pounds, so I got like really really thin. And um, there were, we went to Italy one year, I think in 2008, and my dad looked at me and he was like, "You are just like like." Jamie, you really got to like, you know, gain some weight here. Um, So that was kind of a wake up call for me, because I think what happens is that the weight loss almost becomes like addicting in a way, like at first it's really serving you and it's great. And then, you know, I got down to like 125, which was my ultimate goal, which was a, is a great weight for my bone structure and my body personally. And I was like, let's go to 120 and see what happens. Let's go to 115 and see what happens. Let's like, and it kept going. I did like, it's like, I just kept pushing that limit. Um, It was almost like I didn't
0: know how to just pick a weight and stay there. So do you, um, one of the things I also really want to talk about is this idea of body dysmorphia. I feel like none of us really know what we look at, period. Do you feel like you would look in the mirror and you didn't really see what was there?
1: Um, no, I, de- I, I don't think I ever had that. And I was joking with my assistant coach even earlier today. Cause I posted a picture on Instagram, of my current body composition, cause I'm working on like some gut and hormone stuff. And I was like, I feel squishy. And, and she's like, Jamie, you look great. And I'm like, I know I look good, but right. like, you know, I mean not, you know, I'm not like I'm ready for a bikini competition or anything, but I'm not like saying, Oh my God. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I, um, I, I don't think I ever struggled with that because I always knew that I was very thin. Um, it was just more like not knowing how to make the transition out of that, you know. And that's where I started like binging and then restricting. And oh, you did go there. Yeah, I totally did. So okay, you weigh a hundred pounds, and is that when that came on? Yeah, when I when I dipped, it never happened to me uh, above one hundred and ten. Um, but like, as soon as I dipped down, like sub one hundred and ten, um, I was been, I was like going out drinking on the weekends and I would just come home and like eat all my friend's food and yeah. I'd wake up the next day and feel terrible. I'm like going and buy the groceries and it was embarrassing. And now I obviously know there was a very physiological reason why that was happening. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, so it was like it was binge kind of like be good on the, during the week and binge on the weekend type of thing. Cause I was just trying to find my balance. and My body was so hungry. Like willpower is only so strong when your body's going to fight back on that. Yeah. So,
0: well, I love what you just brought up. That there was a physiological reason you were binging. And if someone says, what can I struggle with binging? I was like, you're, you're probably not eating enough. Yeah. That's a sign. Your body's like, feed me, see more. Yeah.
1: I work with, clients all the time who come to me with history of, um, like binge eating Mm -hmm. and there's, I don't think that we talk enough about like the physiological reason why. So people think that it's all them and it's motivation. And, you know, I won't deny that there are habits there for sure. Um, which I also experienced, But it's, it's really driven by your body's, like your body's need to want to conserve energy because it feels like you're going to starve it again. Or it is, in my case, I was way too thin and it was like trying to like get me to eat. Um, and that's how it would happen.
0: You know, one bite of something was like the catalyst for that. So that's so fascinating. So how do you guide your clients through that binge eating
1: yeah. Um, I take a little bit of a rogue and perhaps controversial approach, um, but it fucking works. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically I tell my clients that they need to, first of all, remove that as a part of their identity. Like, you know, it can no longer, like you can no longer call yourself a binge eater. Nice. Um, you know, you might have identified with that behavior in the past, mm-hmm. but like we're ditching that identity right now because the more that you identify as that, even if you're trying to work through it, that's what you're going to view the, we're going to view the world through that lens. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what we do first and foremost. And then secondly, I really, you know, I think, And this is an interesting kind of conversation around therapy versus coaching, because I think therapy can be really helpful in like the healing and like reflecting and looking back and seeing why we are the way we are. But coaching kind of takes you where you are now. And is like, where the fuck are we going? Like, where do you want to go? You know, like, let's look forward. So I get my clients to think like in an ideal world, where do you want to be in six months? Like, what does she do right now? Like how does she act and then
0: reverse engineer that into like the day to day? Yes. And that, that works on so many levels. I'm a binge eater and you reframe it. I don't work out in the morning. Yes, you do. I don't like vegetables. Yes, you do. Um, Oh, that's so powerful. And that's, this is really why I wanted to talk to you because it is so mental and this is why your clients are so successful. I feel, do you? It's all
1: mental. And I asked them in the beginning before I even take them on as a client, I say, there's three areas that people struggle with strategy, accountability, and mindset. Where do you need the most help? Everybody says strategy and accountability. No one says mindset. And then I kid you not like clockwork within eight weeks, they say to me, it was all fucking mindset, wasn't it? And I said, yep.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I want to come, we'll come back to mindset because that's my most favorite thing to talk about. Um, but do you do macros with all of your clients?
1: Um, macros or protein and, uh, calories only. Okay. Um, but I do take clients. So I take them through the three phases. We go through fat loss, reverse diet, and then they transition to intuitive eating. So in the intuitive part. They start to put the macro tools away, but yeah, everybody gets macros. You gotta uh, know what okay. fuck you're eating. Yeah.
0: You <laughs> I know. And um I just think because there are some people out there who think it's extreme and neurotic, but no way, it's a tool for awareness.
1: Well, I think about it like this: like when you take the time to know what's in your food, you have that skill set with you for the rest of your life. And that is like a foundational piece of knowledge that when you don't need to track macros anymore, you understand what's actually in the food that you're eating. And then the other thing that I say to that is, fuck yeah, it's obsessive. You should be obsessive about any goal that you're reaching. Like, hello, mediocre isn't going to get you anywhere. (laughs) That's
0: what we say, average, ew.
1: Yeah, average, ew. Like, who wants average? And why would you want to embark on a weight loss journey and be robbing yourself of a more efficient way to get there? Like, like to me, again, that's a total mindset shift that has to happen because macros, you know, some people think it's a triggering tool. Some people think it's a great tool. It's all about what's going on up here. And I have worked with clients that have had eating disorders in the past and I'm like, okay, like we're going to teach you macros, but this is going to be a totally different experience than how you might have used them before. And once I understand that, then it makes like more, it makes more sense. And I'm like, oh, I totally get it. So oh,
0: yes, I love that. The other thing that I love that you just said was, okay, you guys, she said part one, fat loss, part two, reverse diet, part three, intuitive eating, yeah. three essential parts. hmm so everyone knows about fat loss, blah, blah, blah. Great, but they, I feel like people think they either should always be in fat loss or they don't know how to transition out of it. Yeah. So let's talk about reverse dieting. This is my other favorite topic in the entire world. Yes. In two words, how do you describe a reverse diet?
1: A reverse diet is when you bring your calorie intake back up to a more normalized standpoint so that your metabolism and your hunger and satiety hormones can come up to a, a like, regular rate and more normalized rate. So you you get to eat more fucking food. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it, there, is no, there are no negatives to this reverse diet. Yeah. People have got to get their brains wrapped around it.
1: I get that it's hard. And I think the mental part that's hard is like, you go from something that's so gratifying, like weight loss, I do the thing. And then I get the thing. And then reverse dieting is like, I'm adding calories, but like the weight, like I don't have that instant gratification. So again, that also becomes like another another mindset challenge, but it's very unhealthy, even dangerous to keep yourself in a very long-term calorie deficit.
0: Yes. And you know, anecdotally, the population where I see, I mainly work with women as well. So women having the hardest time grasping onto this are women my age and older. So, you know, I'm 41 Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's really hard. I can get the younger girls. It clicks. It's very, it's just like that programming has been embedded in us and it's so hard to wrap our brains around it. But when they do, it's a game changer. And also, I want to talk to that mental challenging part of it too. It does get mentally challenging once you see your your physical changes, right? And but you have to understand that you don't need to be lean. You're most lean year round, and it's it's short term. And you're more than what you look like, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And also, it's probably water. I mean, I very. I really don't see weight gain. I have never actually seen weight gain in my program. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that it couldn't happen because yeah. everything's different, but when I, re- I haven't seen it on a reverse diet and I get clients up to like 1900, 2000, they might feel a little puffier because of the water look a little bit different, yeah. right? Like you said. Um, but I think when it's done properly, like it should not result in like true fat gain. Oh yes.
0: hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. And then be- because if you go right into intuitive eating from your fat loss, you don't understand how much you can truly eat.
1: Well, not only that, your leptin and ghrelin, so leptin is your satiety hormone and ghrelin's your hunger hormone, they're all jacked up. So you're less satiated and more hungry. It's a very big mistake to go from fat loss right to intuitive eating because you can't trust your body's intuitive eating right now because it's been in the fat loss phase. So that's why the reverse diet is really the bridge between those two.
0: I love this because I honestly feel, not that I know all the coaches out there, but you seem to be one of the only ones who is addressing all three parts of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know people that can get us our fat loss goals, handful mm-hmm. more with the reverse diet, but I don't know who is putting all three together. Cause I also know a ton of intuitive eating people. Right. Huh. That's right. cool. Yeah.
1: So, I haven't actually either. Um, but to me, that's what I've done and that's what made the most sense to me. Um, but you know, I think that it's just so necessary because you can't, you can't efficiently lose weight just by doing intuitive eating. You you could lose weight, but it's not going to be efficient. Um, and you can't really expect someone to track their macros their entire life. They need to learn the intuitive eating skills. Right.
0: So, Do you remember that day about, I don't know if it was a year ago when my fitness pal went down and like the mayhem. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you don't know what four ounces of chicken looks like by now, we got yeah. big issues. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, my
0: God. Oh, my fitness fouls down. <laughs> it was mayhem in my world. <laughs> so back to the mindset. So you use the tool of, okay, who do you want to be in six months? What would she be doing now? Mm-hmm. What other helpful um, tools do you have? In terms of mindset, Ooh.
1: can you give me an example of like
0: a challenge that someone might have? Oh my god, this is so great! Oh yeah, let's talk about and it might all boil down to this one. To be honest with you, I don't like to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Same tool, right? Oh
1: well, here's the thing. Um, I say pick your freaking hard. Like you need to, and this is a Mel Robbins thing, but it's brilliant. You need to separate how you feel from what you do, because if you let how you feel dictate your actions, you're going to end up in the same place that you are. So a big lesson here is to like not want to do it and then just fucking do it. Yes, that's where I, that's where I get people it's because you know initially there's always that resistance in the beginning and changing habits, and there's a lot of neuroscience in terms of why this is. Um, but again, like you get through those initial couple weeks and it gets a hell of a lot easier. And then you have clients like telling you they're waking up at four in the morning to work out. I'm like, what? <laughs> like
0: you say. Yeah. I recently um interviewed my husband, not as my husband, but as someone who has gone from being a collegiate athlete to not working out at all, to now he is that person, the morning mm-hmm. person. He would say, I'm not a morning workout person. I'm not doing that. I work out in the night. But he had to Switch change it. his story, change yeah. his identity. Yeah. Oh, man, what yep. else would be a challenge? Oh, um, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. I'm so full, I don't think I can eat all this. <laughs> Um, that is a common one that I hear in the beginning
1: because people are not used to eating, you know, standard American diet is very processed and low, low, um, density, but high calories, Mm -hmm. high calorie density, but low uh, volume of food. So we're going the other way. We're going high volume, low calorie. Um, in the beginning, I don't want someone to be physically uncomfortable. So I will give them like that kind of couple week grace period if they need to just like you know, not put any more food in their body, if they're going to be sick. Mm -hmm. But I, if it's something of like, I'm scared to eat this many calories, then I'm like, you, you have to just trust the process. Um, you know, because again, like doing the same thing is only going to get you the same results and you don't want to like start your fat loss journey eating like, 1300 calories a day because if you do, like, once you explain the rationale to them, like, if you do that, it's not really going to give us anywhere to
0: go if we need to make an adjustment, which we probably will. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so glad you just said that because that is one of the things that I think another reframe for people is we want you starting to lose that fat while eating as much as possible. Yeah. And I just think we've been programmed to think we have to suffer through this. You're just, it's a pleasant surprise if you can buy into it.
1: Yeah. My clients are shocked. They're like, what do you mean? I know it's like, And I'm like, enjoy it. Trust me, like have fun with this. Like have a cupcake, have, you know, a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think we, you know, and there are parts that are hard. Like you said, I don't want to work out today. I don't want to, you know, do the thing or whatever. Those parts are challenging, but I think we expect that it's going to be chicken and broccoli all day. And when when people like aren't getting that, they're
0: almost like, why doesn't it feel hard from a nutrition (laughs) standpoint? So, right. And, and it, it will feel hard at some point. Yeah. And sure. that's what you have to realize. Cause what I've found is they're saying I'm so full in the first two weeks, week three, whatever, but by week four, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Our body has to take some time to get used to it all. Yeah. Wow. So I would like to know also what kind of people do you work with? You said they were mostly women, but is there any common thread that you've noticed? Um,
1: mostly women. I'd say my clients are typically between 30 and 55, although I have some older, um, and a couple younger. Um, I will say that I'm pretty selective about who I work with because I need to make sure that that person is ready. Um, my program is an investment and an investment of time, money, effort, attention, and it's not one of, you know, the programs out there that just turns a bunch of people in and out. Um, it really, we deep dive, and I need to make sure that that person is in a place where they're coachable, they're ready to change, they want to change, and they know that, like, we're shedding the old and stepping into the new. Um, so I don't know that there is really a super common theme from, like, a um, like it's someone in this job within this area of the world like that. I think that it's more just like that person is in a place where they're fucking fed
0: up and they want to make a change. Right. So you find with your clients, I'm assuming you have a very high success rate. (laughs) Um, what is it that, that makes them successful? Is it the fact that they are finally ready and fed up or are there other things? Are they doing something?
1: Yeah, we do have a, a high success rate. Um, I, you know, when a client goes through the program and does what we tell them to do, and then after they're, you know, they're ready to leave the nest, continues to utilize the skill sets that we've given them, I have yet to find anybody that has put on the weight or come back to me and say, what the heck happened? Like, so I like to say we have a 100% success rate because everyone seems super, you know, happy with their new life and and maintaining their results really beautifully. Sorry, what was the question again? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to if there was anything about them that. Oh, Kool-Aid. yeah, they drink my Kool Aid. Yeah. They do the work. That is what it is. I'm telling you, because. They get in there and they work. We work really closely with our clients, so they have unlimited text message access to me. We have a private client Facebook group, so that we're really present and able to help them shift the patterns that they're noticing. Like, as a coach, I feel like it's my job to help that client figure out what their pattern is and be able to shift it. And when you're able to shift those patterns that got them stuck in the first place, that's where you get the long term success. It's not like The macros and the workouts, like you said earlier, they're like 10% of the program. Like 90% of it is really believing that you are going to be, you know, a new, a a new and different person or like the same version of the same you, but like
0: upgraded. (laughs) Um, Right. 2.0. (laughs) Right. 2.0. I love that because I just... I know it's hard for people to buy into that when they're in that state of desperation. Um, But it's not just macros and workouts. It is total mindset.
1: It's total mindset. And, you know, I always, you know, of course in the beginning, like we speak to them more from a nutritional standpoint so that they can get that, you know, more instantaneous gratification on the scale. But as things evolve, they really start to notice like, I had a client the other day who, um, she had a really stressful day and she like, didn't want to hit her macros. She was like, is it okay if I just, and I was like, no, let's talk about this. And I go, I'm going to give you a little bit of a hard time, a little bit of tough love with a lot of love, but you don't want to allow, we know that her pattern is she lets external circumstances dictate how she's showing up for herself. And I said, don't you realize that that's what you're doing right now? And she was like, oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And when she was able to see that as her pattern, I'm like, now, what are you going to, what does this, ver- what does the 2.0 version of you do in this moment? And she said, I don't
0: let external circumstances dictate how I show up for myself. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, there's really no surprises once you can shine a light on, like you said, the patterns. What you've done up to this point that's gotten you here. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, Jamie. Now, here's a question for you, though. Yeah. With the unlimited texts and private Facebook group, like, how do you protect yourself? How do you, like, set boundaries for yourself? Or is it noted? Like, I don't respond to texts after 7 p.m.?
1: No, they can text me whenever. Um, I have a separate line for my clients. So it's separate from like my personal. Um, But I honestly believe that since I do such a good job of um, interviewing clients and making sure that they're ready, like the clients are just so great about the text messaging. They really use it when they need help and I want to, or celebrate something. I I never feel, and I have close to 45 clients right now. And, and, um, my, my peers who also are in the online coaching space are like, don't you ever feel like drained? And I'm like, actually, I really don't like, I get excited to help somebody work through something. I think because I've got them to like drink the Kool-Aid in the beginning, that they know how much personal responsibility they have to themselves. And their job is to stay in communication with me and communicate what's coming up for them. And I help them shift it. I don't like take that on energetically as heavy. It actually like, makes me feel lighter and really good when I'm able to help them.
0: Oh, so. that's powerful. Yeah. I love it. And I do think a lot of it has to do that you're getting the right clients because first off your message is very clear. I'm not getting any mixed messages from you Jamie <laughs> on Instagram or Facebook like I know what you are about. Yeah, very clear. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys I'll put a link to Jamie's profiles I, I I I would reshare everything if that weren't like silly for me to do. Like I love everything that you say. Thank you. You're welcome. And like I tell all my ladies in my monthly VIP you like there's three people I want them to follow. It's you, it's Marcy, you know, it's Sohi like, so I'm like, talking to Jamie today, you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. But I also feel like you've got a really great system for onboarding clients or oh, no, 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 not onboarding them necessarily, but getting clients.
1: God, I wish I knew what it was because I don't know. I don't have a systematic way. I say the things, the people yeah. come, <laughs>
0: like, you know. You, you fill out a questionnaire, right? Let's say I was like, okay, I'm going to apply for coaching with Jamie. I got to fill out some specific questions, right? Yeah.
1: We do one questionnaire, a 15, 20 minute phone call. If you, if I think I can help you, we do another questionnaire and then an hour phone call. And then I decide if I feel like you're a good fit. And obviously they decide if I'm the coach for them. um, And then we move forward. So it's a lot of like um, getting to know them and making sure that I really feel like I can help them, um, that they're a good fit for my program, that they're going to jive well with the other, you know, ladies that I have in the group. Like I want to, you know, make sure that I feel like I'm the best coach. And a lot of times I tell them I'm not, but I always refer them to
0: somebody else or something else that I feel like will be. That's powerful. So you have 45 clients right now. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And I know uh, your business has grown significantly, right, in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen, especially, was a really big year. So,
0: why do you think that was, or why do you know that was? Hmm.
1: I think a lot of things. First of all, it was the busiest year of my life. I got engaged, planned a wedding, got married, and it was the wedding was, you know, it was in California. My husband's Hindu. I'm Jewish. There's a lot of logistics, a lot of travel involved. Um, and I said to myself, I'm going to let it be easy this year. Like I wasn't, like I saw a lot of my peers putting in a shitload of work, which I definitely did. But the last six months leading up to the wedding, I was like, okay, I'm just going to serve my people. And if new people come, that's cool. And new people kept coming. Um, I think that number one, the reason it grew is I just let it, let it be easy. Like, I wasn't like, oh my God, where are all the clients? I was like, I trust my message. I trust myself. I'm not in scarcity. I know that they're there. Um, And I also invested a fuck ton of money in personal coaching and developing my business skills, my mindset skills, um, my nutritional knowledge, my fitness knowledge. Like, I really took, you know, I made that a huge priority last year.
0: Mm -hmm. So. And you know, I would venture to guess all these same things apply to anything you want to be successful in. Having that abundance mentality, as it applies to fat loss, yeah, I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. It's no longer like glamorous. Yeah, yeah. And the coaching, you know, I'm a huge fan of coaching. I Mm -hmm. want all the coaches, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Give me, like, I know what I'm doing. I mean, if someone (laughs) guides me, heck yeah. That's cool. Um, Personal coaching. Now was this business coaching or more like something different?
1: Um, Business coaching for sure. Um, Mindset coaching. So I had two different business coaches last year. One was like all mindset Mm -hmm. and one was very tactical. Mm -hmm. So it was really nice to have them together
0: so that I could, you know, kind of, ba- they, they balance each other. Yeah, that's powerful. And again, like, let it be easy. Life does not have to be so damn hard, people.
1: It doesn't. And, and running a successful company doesn't need to be hard. Mm-hmm. And building and scaling doesn't need to be hard. Like, I think there there's a woman out there, and I love her. I think she's amazing. Her name is Amanda Francis. Uh-huh. Have you heard of her before? No. She's like a self-made multimillionaire. And she just teaches other people how to like improve their money mindset, cool. and it's it triggers the fuck out of a lot of people because she's like traveling the world and doing these things. But she's really just such a perfect example of like how it can be so easy, yeah. and I think she's like a great person to follow for that. Um, and the reason I say she triggers a lot of people, cause I think it's like, well, how could it be that easy? Right. But she, it's like amazing to witness it. And it's, it's whatever triggers us is something we have to work on. I always say. Um, so I think that just a little side note, I think that like, I followed her for a little while and I'm like, wow, she's so fascinating. She just like, lets it be easy. And I'm like, I'm just going to let it be easy. No, it's so, be easy. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is she the
0: champagne diet lady? Do you know? No, but I think they might be friends. Okay. If they're friends. It like they would be friends. Yes, I think they are friends. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yeah. Um, okay, one last thing before we wrap up. Let's yeah. talk about our mutual love of Joe Dispenza. Dr. Oh, Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe. Dr. Dude, Joe. Have you been to any of his stuff? No, but I'm dying to. Should we go? Yeah, we should totally <laughs> go. We'll make it <laughs> easy. <laughs> Because I have a friend who went, she said it changed her life. I mean, obviously.
1: I've I've heard, I have one of my, my business coach is also my friend, but one of her friends went and said she was like a totally different person after. And I'm like, I need to go to this.
0: Well, and you guys, if you're not familiar, shame on you. No, just kidding. But, um, he's all about using your, your thoughts to create your own personal reality. And if you're struggling to change it all starts with your mindset and I do believe that you know Jamie and I are clearly disciples of this man, even though we've never met him yeah we just need more of him in our life
1: all i I think about his stuff all the time I tell my clients about it i um like he has literally changed everything for me um, because I feel like I was always. I was never, I was raised Jewish, and I didn't really, like, I was never religious, and then I was really trying to find my spiritual side or religious, not religious side, but spiritual side, especially in college, and then I was like, I'm not, like, nothing's sticking for me, and when I really, like, dove into his work, and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is exactly, like, everything that I've always kind of known to be true, but I didn't know how to articulate it, so, I mean, his work is just absolutely incredible.
0: I want to ask you, so, like, you said you knew that. um, Do you feel like you knew that early on in life, like, before you ventured into this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. Like I just remember sitting there like in temple when I was younger and I just and this is like everybody has their own. So this is like everybody has their own belief in what works for them and that's really cool. But I would just be like this doesn't like make sense to me. Like I don't connect with this. I'm not connecting and I would just feel really restless and I I I don't know. It just never connected with me in that way. So I knew there was always something greater and I was a really powerful like manifester too. Like I had a vision board in college and like all this shit came through except the private jet, but that's, that's, that'll come. <laughs> no, because we need it to get to Joe Dispenza. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes, it's coming. I'm working on it. Um, but like I knew I had, I knew that I was really powerful and I could, as we all are, we all have the same power within us. I knew that it existed But I just didn't know, like, so yeah, to answer your question, I knew it was always there. I just couldn't, like, I couldn't, like, put it into a thing. I couldn't, like, give it a name or do anything with it.
0: That's so interesting. I have a very similar um, experience. I mean, I grew up Catholic and, I mean, I hated it. I hated having to do anything. And it did not jive with me. And I'm super spiritual. And I've always been very spiritual, But that just did not click with me in the same thing. It was just, Mm -hmm. once I heard what he was saying, it was like, yeah, this guy knows. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what I love so much about it is I feel like it gives you all of the power. Yes. It says you are so powerful because you're connected to like the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. You have that within you and you have the ability to change your life, change your health, And not only does he say the things, he explains to you the neuroscience behind why, which is fucking mind blowing. And then you do the things that he says to do. And then it happens.
0: It's like, it's like, it's crazy. Like, I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't like seen it happen.
1: I know. I know.
0: Like, Like,
1: about two years ago, Varun had like a patch of alopecia on the back of his head. And I like gave him, I bought him like a better, like natural shampoo. I like gave him some digestive enzymes, but I said, You're gonna fucking Joe Dispenza your way out of this shit. He was like, Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh my
0: God, I use that exact terminology. Just Joe yes. Dispenza it. Yes, it's a verb. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to
1: tell him. <laughs> yes, we do. And I kid you not, I think Varun might have like listened to a part of his book, not even like, you know, a meditation or anything.
0: Yeah. He been gone in like a month. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Unbelievable. And never healed. healed. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Well, how is married
1: life? It's great. It's great. We're both like entrepreneurs, so it's definitely different being, you know, a household of entrepreneurs, but it's been, it's been awesome.
0: Your, your pictures of your wedding, I mean,
1: amazing. Thank you. <laughs> did,
0: you let, did you let that be easy?
1: I did. Awesome. I did. I let, there were some complexities there, but for the most part, um, it was very easy and just like everything. So, And talk about manifestation. So there were these really bad fires happening like the days before the wedding, because it was in California and Simi Valley. Um, and we didn't have the right wedding insurance apparently. So I didn't find that until after, but thank God it all worked out. So there were really bad fires. and I just remember telling myself, it's going to be fucking fine. Don't you worry about it. You're going to be good. We got this. Come on universe. I believe in you. Thanks. And then, then the day after the wedding, The whole fucking place. It was like CNN news, Simi Valley on fire. I know, I I know. know. Talk about like, and and, I mean mindset, right? I could have spent the entire days leading up to the wedding being in a state of panic and fear, and I believe that if I did that, I honestly think that it probably
0: would have manifested in some way. Absolutely. And you guys, whenever this podcast airs. We're talking about the COVID, whatever. Like, what are you manifesting right now? Be mindful of this stuff. I mean, I don't want to, you know, put it aside, but we need to think about how are you reacting right now? What are you projecting and crazy? Well, Jamie, thank you so much. This has been such a treat. You are such an amazing resource. Where can we find you?
1: Um, The quickest way to get in touch with me is just Instagram, Jamie Morocco, um, or Facebook. Spread yeah. me and message me and cool. say hi.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, we'll probably have to do this again. Yes. <laughs> have an amazing day, Bye. Jamie. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to find Jamie on social media, you can find her on Instagram at Jamie Morocco. That's J-A-I-M-E-M-O-R-O-C-C-O. As always, you can shoot me an email at KylieFitYoga at gmail.com. If you have any further questions or a suggestion for an episode, have a great day.